Hello, this is Mimi Kelly, Mimi Kelly Shout Podcast. Shine your light, have hope, overcome, use your power, and take charge of your life. And I have been shouting so much that I have not been podcasting. So I am happy to be back today with a special guest, Mr. Alan Greenstein of Support Our our hashtag creatives. He is a producer who supports underrepresented artists and creatives. And I am so happy to have him. Alan, say hello. Alan. Everybody. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having me, Mimi. Yes, yes. So we decided we would just chat today and record it so that I could up- upload it to my podcast, to the Shout Podcast. And we're just gonna talk about my filmmaking journey with One Night in LA, which is a indie movie. And uh, we just wrapped a couple weeks ago and it has been an exciting but long journey, Alex. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to start off talking about, um, well, one, can you tell the listeners exactly what you do? Okay. As um, as Mimi said at the beginning, I'm the, uh, she mentioned I support our hashtag creatives. I'm the executive producer and founder of that organization where the goal is to ensure that underrepresented demographics have as much chance as everybody else to get their works created and seen and distributed. Uh, I'm also, by the way, I'm also on the board of directors of the Bella Levy Foundation. The Bella Levy Foundation, its goal is to fight human trafficking and provide safe haven for its warriors, as opposed to the word victims. And that's me. Yes. And he's a producer of One Night in LA because he has been so supportive and I am just so grateful that you have taken this journey with me. Um, I wanted to start talking about stories. How do you decide which stories you're going to support? And that will lead me to how I decided to move forward with One Night in LA. Yeah. Okay. Um, typically, when I'm thinking about getting on a project, and this could happen either by somebody reaching out to me, or I might even reach out to that person, I always like to learn as much as I can about the project. I always I like to take a look at the script, the budget, any anything that's in, anything that's available, so I can learn more about what the intent is of the uh, of the film or the web series or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, and I would always read through the script and um, figure out if it's if the storyline is something that uh, that I would be willing to um, to be a part of. And and usually for the most part it uh, I, w- I will go forward with it because I'm even even if it's not even if it might not be my favorite genre. It's still something that is, if I feel something that's worth making, I will still um, sign on to the project. So that's basically uh, my, my decision-making process. In addition to that, 
I also, uh, I also make it clear from the beginning that um, what, what support our hair share creatives can deliver in terms both financially as well as artistically, especially that meant to mention that um, you know the uh, from a financial perspective, I'm I'm limited to what I can do, and from the artistic um, perspective, I'm not limited to what I can do. So uh, and uh, but so it's it's important to not over promise. It's important to deliver and pro and deliver what you promise. Promise what you deliver, and uh, that's why it's important for me to always tell the prospective uh, client. Where my what my limitations are because it is a support our hair shake creators it's kind of like what we consider like a boutique organization this is it's a small organization it's just me at least presently it is that might change in the future but i always like to be a bubble with everybody yes yes i love that that's the best way to proceed in a lot of matters in life to just be upfront and clear yes. um and do you recall I'm interested in your answer to this. Do you recall your decision-making process for One Night in LA and what made you say yes to support it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's because, well, the storyline basically, it's a very, very, it's very um, you know, character-based, human-based, family-based. Um, that's that's one of the uh, that's the strong factors that made me decide I wanted to come on. You know, conflict resolution from the family, all all, all that all put together, it's good to make for a uh, compelling story. Yes, and that is the um, cornerstone, I think, of why it is such an important story to me because it is truly a family story. It's a love story. And I realized that more so than ever when we started shooting. Um, but even before that, pro before I got to the point where I, I knew I wanted to uh, make it into a film or make it into a short, it was so important to me because of the family dynamic. Um, as you know, I'm a mom of three sons, and I think that colors my lens in terms of stories that I am attracted to. Um, I think the dynamics of a family overcoming obstacles and loving each other in spite of and despite of is just, it's the type of stories that touch my heart. And so, I, um, I wrote it one night in LA in a difficult time when I felt um, insecure in the space that I was in. And the story actually nurtured me. And I, I know that's why I was so committed to see it through because in a way I felt so grateful that God gave me this story that gave me peace in the midst of a space where I was feeling um, anxious and insecure. And so that story was my security blanket, you know? It just sort of covered me um, and made me feel safe and, and peaceful in a moment when, um, really everything around me was sort of 
you know, breaking apart. I think I, I began writing it um, at the end of, I wrote the pilot because it's several projects. So I wrote the pilot script um, that has the same family. It's not the same story, but it has the same family. I wrote the pilot script at the end of, I cannot believe when I say this, but at the end of 2016 into 2017. And here we are in 2022, and I have now shot One Night in LA, um, which is one night with this family that I adore. So, um, you know, the creative process is so interesting. And, and I tell writers all the time, you know, don't um, proceed past go until you know that you absolutely love your story and that you just have to see it manifest in the world. Um, because there's just, there's so many obstacles that we face. So we really, really have to love our stories to take them out, trot them out to the world. Um, so yeah, we, um, we finish, we wrap the story, but boy, the pre-production process, um, once I decided um, that I wanted to do it, was long, long, long. Um, and luckily, I had support from uh, a producer, Mayan, who sort of held my hand. And, um, you know, we went from big, big budget to something small that we could, you know, raise money for and I could handle. Uh, so it's just an interesting process. What, what do you... Um, advice to creators who are searching for funds for projects. What's your take on financing um, films or short films? Yes, yeah. of course there are a number of ways and uh, it probably varies from project to project and also based upon even the amount of dollars that you're trying to raise. Sometimes it's advantageous to first uh, try to do it um, privately, you know, to, with, your, with people you already know, with your connections, and, uh, you know, and uh, create, a, create a package for them to look at and see if they're interested in coming on. So yeah. I would think that, that would, might usually be the first step. And then, then later on, you open up to the public with a, a regular type of, uh, of crowdfunding. So I think that's uh, probably the, uh, the route to go. First go private, and then, uh, then go public if you have to later on. Yes. Have you had any experience with filmmakers who have secured um, grant funding or anything of that sort? I'm always... Uh, yeah, oh, that's right. I should have mentioned that. Yes, there are a couple, there are at least a couple of projects where people have gotten grants and uh, some, some grants are for, uh, might've been just for a single film, other grants is, might be for like a, for a series. So yes, I have worked with people who have gotten gotten grants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. It is the technology has made life uh, and information so readily available to all of us. 
But at the same time, it's made it somewhat more stressful because there are just so many doors to knock on and so many curtains to pull back just to see if that is a resource for you. And it can feel overwhelming, you know? Um, yes, yes. In fact, uh, um, it's a totally, totally different world now. I mean, how did people do it back in the days before, uh, before social media and, uh, and, the, and, the, and when the internet was, before the internet got popular? That the methods had to be totally different. Well, and I think there were probably more in-person events where you, you know, I can remember like in the early, well, yeah, like right after 2000, going to festivals and meeting people. And I think that was, you know, the way that you proceeded to get information is to go to the different panels and the different festivals. There's always something going on here in LA. So, um, you know, information is readily available in the in-person event world. Um, and so I, I had gone to a couple of events. My, my um, first introduction to script writing occurred um, quite some time ago when right after I had written my first novel and I was introduced to a couple who were, the, the husband was an executive for Warner Brothers and the wife was a writer and they were interested in my first novel and so they took me under their wings and they um, paid for a script doctor and I created the script and they had their agents um, looking at it and, and trying to shop it. But we were way before our time, Alan. It was before there were so many uh, Black stories so um, by Black creators. And so we did not, you know, we weren't able to successfully sell it, but it, it um, opened my eyes to Hollywood and script writing. And I, it was such a great, you know, friendship and process that even though I walked away from the project after a while, I did not, um, that seed had been planted, you know? And so eventually God called me back to it. So here I am. Yes. And I, I, I think I said, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was saying that uh, I love this, this story you just related about how, uh, how you, you met the, the people from Warner Brothers in person and, uh, and how it got you started in, uh, in your journeys. Yes. And so there was a number of years in between um, that time and finishing that project. And then I did, I did plays. Um, I produced plays here in Los Angeles. And I loved that process too. I loved, you know, working with actors. It's just a blessing for a writer 
to have an actor, um, you know, speak their words and manifest their story on the stage. So I think we get, us writers get hooked to that. Uh, I feel like I'm a little hooked after finishing One Night in L.A. I thought One Night in L.A. was going to just quench my thirst for all of it. And I would be like, okay, I'm ready to just relax and have fun with my family. But I know there will be more. I can't not wait. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think that is great news for a number of reasons. First of all, personally, that means that you will have the opportunity to work together again. Yes. And also, people will, people will want to see the, uh, what you are creating, whether it be a, a feature or a short or whatever medium you happen to, uh, to go in, or maybe another play or something like that. So that's, uh, that's why I'm so happy that you, that you have become hooked. Yes, yes, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Now, I am not hooked on, I tell you, I'm hooked on the creative process. I'm not hooked on the business process, though. It's tough. Alan, it is really tough to produce your own projects. And so if I have to produce it again myself, I don't know, Alan. I don't know. If I, I don't, I shouldn't say I wouldn't um, because I, I would, but it's going to take considerable time for me to rest up and to have the appetite to, you know, go for it. Um, because producing while creating is a tough, tough journey. So that's a, yeah. whole, a, whole, a whole other level. Uh, if you're gonna have, as I said, somebody else be the, uh, the top level producer. And uh, the process involved in lining up th that person, that's gotta be pretty uh, intense to make sure you get the right person, you know, who, and who will be basically in charge of everything, you know, with the business wise, while you, and, and you focus on the uh, creative part, but that's gotta be really tough to come up with a team. Yes, it is. And team building is the most critical part. Um, my producer had worked with a lot of the people that uh, we brought on to One Night in LA, but several of the people were referred to me through friendship, through friends. Um, and it just, we all just sort of melted into this big happy family and it just worked. Um, the group of people that came from my end, plus the people that came for me. And um, it was just, I, I think once you meet someone who there's a meeting in the minds in terms of how you view the industry and what story making means to you, if you can get a meeting of the minds of that, then I think everything else sort of happens organically and um, in a positive way. 
but you have to, because some people come to the industry for different reasons, you know? And, uh, and so you need to have sort of similar views in terms of why you're creating um, And it's just, it's just a blessing. Um, my producer used to always say, when we would have a bad day, but aren't we blessed we need to do this? And sometimes I would just look at him like, no, not really. But when you think about it, I mean, to um, be an adult with three adult children and to have the opportunity to create stories. Um, it's really sort of a, a blessed life. And um, so I tried to remember that through the whole long process of pre-production and the film shoot. I really tried to remember it once those cameras started rolling and everybody was on the set. That um, although it may feel stressful in moments that, you know, like my husband says, I chose to do this. I believe God chose me to do this. And I should always try to approach it with a grateful heart and a positive attitude. Um, you know, I, I've heard horror stories about being on sets with producers or directors who, you know, are not the nicest people in the world. And I can't imagine creating. It's like, why, why bring that ugliness to the space of creating stories? If you want to be, you know, an SOB, go be a lawyer or an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring that to creating stories, you know? Yeah. So, so what, when you're working with creatives, what is the part that you enjoy the most? What's most gratifying for you when you're working with creatives? Okay, well, there's, um, I actually have to divide into two parts. You know, of course, um, for, for projects I'm working on that are being actually done in my area where I live in Maryland, I, I really get great satisfaction from actually having the opportunity to be on set. So, uh, and uh, have the role of maybe a production assistant or a script supervisor or anything like that. And I know, and document, and I, I can document what I've been doing. So that's the thing with, for in this area where I live, um, having that opportunity is what I really, um, really look forward to. Other than, but in general, which is, this is applicable to, um, to projects done here and everywhere, and where you live in California, is, um, Having, uh, I, feel good, I feel good when I can have some kind of artistic input. You know, I can, uh, you know, be, I can feel free to give my opinions on the script or how the production is going or, you know, anything like that. I like to be involved in, um, in table reads if, um, if it's, if it's um, done online. That's where you get to, to meet the, uh, the, the actors and such. So for, for, the, for, the, so for the projects that I can't, uh, that are not being done right here, having the opportunity through the, magic of today's technology to be involved in meetings and, and readings and stuff like that is uh 
is what I really enjoy. Interesting. Well, yesterday I spent a lot of time, I'm trying to go through the footage so that um, we can cut down on our editing costs. So when we hand it off, I would have looked at everything and given notes and decided, you know, what I think is best in terms of the footage and what we should choose. And so yesterday I decided to just listen to the sound file. And I found that so gratifying to just hear us on the set. And what I noticed yeah. is that I was not very vocal. I was quiet on the set. You could hear a lot of people talking, but you don't hear me a lot. And I think one is I had confidence in everyone around me. And so I didn't feel the need to question or be concerned. And the cast was just our star, Victoria Platt, and our co-star, Gilbert Glenn Brown, were just consummate professional actors. And so... I, I didn't have to say a lot, you know? I just felt like I wanted to be open to what everyone else would bring to the process. Cause heck, I've been walking around with this story for a long time. Well, actually for one night in LA, it's only been two years, but with those characters, uh, with the entire family, I've had them for over five years. So I was open to seeing what everybody else saw in them. And it was, it was just a, a blessing for me to see everybody, you know, become a part of this project and really own it and, you know, have ideas about the set and, where we should put the pillows and what colors they should be. I mean, you know, down to every single detail. Um, so I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed listening to them um, take over. <laughs> but, uh, but even though you were, but even though you weren't saying much, you must have been, your eyes must have been uh traveling all over to make sure everything was just people were in the right places the set was set you know the props were just yes. where you wanted them to be so um yeah. yes i was paying attention to every detail and when i spoke up it was because there was something that was really out of order um and it needed to be fixed or you know ruin a shot and so that's when you would hear me like <laughs> uh, but otherwise I think also because we had, we spent so much time in pre-production planning everything that when we got to the set, it was really just a matter of executing and everybody knew exactly what we were doing. And so I think that too reduced, you know, my having to verbally say this or that because 
we had already planned it out in Zooms or meetings and we were all pretty much on the same page. Yes, um, really, well, you definitely achieved the, uh, got the teamwork aspect of things uh, covered. Because you have you have an excellent team. Everybody got along and uh, everybody understood what had to be done. So congratulations on that. Yes, and that is a big feat. You know, um, I did, you know, we did have one night <laughs> where things got, things got pretty uh, heated because, you know, the, the actors wanted to um, do changes. And of course, my assistant director was, he was a taskmaster and a scheduling um, god. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he could set up a shooting schedule like no other. And so he was committed to us, you know, shooting on time and staying on schedule so we could stay within budget. And any change took us outside of that. And so he was fighting for us to stay on, on, on tasks and on schedule and just the way he had planned it out, which he had done an amazing job planning it out. And the actors were committed to the story and what they were um, feeling about this one particular scene that, you know, they had some real issues with. And I was committed to the overall story and whether or not their changes, how it would impact the, the big picture. And so I'm trying to figure out all of that. And so you really did have three competing, you know, forces. And that was interesting. That was interesting. I think in the end, we absolutely, I made the right decision to um, listen to their feedback and to change the script. But at the same time, it cost me, cost me a couple thousand dollars. And so those are considerations you have to um, think about in way. And sometimes, you know, I was telling, I was telling the producer that I don't think they could have brought it to me before we got on set because I was so set in the script. I was so set with the schedule that I don't know if I would have had an open heart to receive their feedback or not even so much an open heart. I just don't think I would have had enough information to say yes, because some of the things you, uh, we couldn't tell until we actually started filming and we were in the space and they were reading the lines and then it was like, it's just not gonna work, you know? Which is interesting. And I think sometimes people are so committed to the story and the script, they probably just mow through that and keep going. Um, 
but I think we serve the story by making last minute changes. I think story. So, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll run that by you when we're, I won't do it now because it won't make sense to everybody who doesn't, didn't read the script, but because you read the script, you will, I will send you a note about what we changed. Well, that'd be great. Uh, see, see, see like how the script dynamically, how it developed, how it had to, how it had to change, I guess, in, in, um, in uh, your opinion. So looking forward to seeing that. Yes. And I think if I didn't have the caliber actors for the lead and the co-star, those changes would not have come about. But because they were such amazing professionals of their craft, um, it made sense, the changes that they were suggesting. And probably if I had had actors who were not as experienced as they were, then that scene would have been okay, you know? Yeah. But with their caliber experience, it just, the scene didn't make sense anymore. So it's, it's just, uh, it's an interesting process um, filming and creating on your feet and being able to make those decisions right there. Um, so, but I think we came through, we came through. But I realized in that moment that I was pretty much the um, protector of the overall big picture of the story because you know, I knew the purpose of the story and, you know, its foundation better than anybody on the set. And I think that's, is important for that writer director when the two are the same. And I think sometimes stories suffer because the person who knows you know, what this story is really about and how every single change will impact what this story is really supposed to keep communicate is not there. And that's the writer, you know? Right. And so um, I, have, I have new respect. And when we finish, I am going to listen to an interview by Tyler Perry. I have new respect for Tyler Perry that he um, holds on to his stories so tightly that he is the producer, he is the director, he is the writer. And although, you know, I've heard criticism, I've heard people, you know, have some negative things to say about his movies. The one thing I do get when I watch a Tyler Perry movie is I know just why he had to have that movie. I know the foundation. I know what he wanted the viewer to walk away with, you know? And that's important. 
if you only want to just entertain and do fluff, then it's not important. But if you have a bigger calling to really touch people's hearts in a particular way, then having the foundation of your story and it communicate just what you want it to communicate is important. So um, I get folks who want to write and direct. Now, when I finished, I said I would never direct again. But as I stepped back from it, I think I would direct again. But my direction is really just overseeing. <laughs> it's really just overseeing and being the final voice. That's what my direction is about. It's about being the final voice for the story. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the way I think about it is, you know, even you have your, you have your, your assistant directors to uh, carry the load. And uh, as long as they're doing what they have to do, there really isn't much need for you to say anything. And that's what I've noticed on some sets is that, you know, the writer is there, but sometimes the writer doesn't have to say a word during the whole, during the whole time that the shoot is going on because the directors know exactly what to do. Yes. And that's why the pre-planning process, pre-production, it's everything. And, and I really wish I could have had, actually the actors came to me and asked me would I put off the shoot. And I would have put off the shoot for a month, but for the fact I was gonna lose half of the team. And I just felt like the team that we had assembled was critical to doing what we were doing, which is shooting a lot of footage in a single day. Um, I needed to really have people who were committed and that I felt good about and my end felt good about. And God said, no, just keep going. They're going to be fine. Um, because we had our main actress come on really late in the process. So, and she was brilliant. She was just brilliant. I should turn into her publicist. <laughs> uh, because she was truly brilliant. And um, yeah, I just, I can't wait to share her performances. She was just, I, I felt so blessed to have her. So, but the pre-production is everything and it is everything. It is everything. As long as you take your time in pre-production, and really just plan it out and talk about it, then you have a great chance of making a good movie. But um, like you, have, you definitely succeeded in, in that. You, will, you, know, you allowed the well, to take as long as it had to to get it all to make sure everybody knew exactly what the, had to be done. Yes. And then I thought, I said, you know, 
I'm probably like having a podcast about one night in LA prematurely because not everybody will love our movie. And so I have to get ready for that, um, you know, that criticism of it. But I don't think anything is going to change my mind. I think I love what we did. And, you know, albeit not perfect, no one's perfect, no one does perfect movies. Um, I, I just love, I love what we did. And I look forward to doing it again for another project. I really do. So no one's going to spoil my party, Alan. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> I will not let anyone spoil my party. Uh, but it will be interesting. I probably, you know, I'm thinking about that first screening. I probably won't be able to sit in a theater with a theater full of people. Because it will just be tough for me to hear their reactions. I'll probably just sit outside and then when it's over, I'll come in and I'll chat. Interesting approach. You know what? If you feel comfortable with and then do it. But maybe not, maybe not. And I say that right now because I'm looking at footage that has not been assembled. But I got to remember, it will all be assembled. I will get to look at it many, many times. And the editor that I've chosen, I've chosen an editor. You don't know that, but I have. Uh, even though I have two meetings coming. I shouldn't say that because I have two really important meetings coming up with other editors. So I shouldn't say I've chosen an editor. But I really like... Um, the person I met with last week. I really like them. And for me, liking the person and us being on the same page is more important than your IMDB page being two miles long. You know? Yep. I want you to be, I want you to be skilled at what you do. But I also want to like you and I want you to like me and I want us to have a good experience together. Um, because this process of filmmaking is my joy right now. It is not something that I want to struggle with and hate. It is my joy in my life right now. And so in order for it to continue to be my joy, I have to surround myself with people that um, who get me and I get them and we don't have to struggle. So I'm going, I'm still preparing for my meetings on Thursday and Friday, but I sure in the heck felt good about my meeting last week. And I, I fully anticipate that I will have made a decision about the editor and be ready to hand it off by, I'm saying next Monday. Yeah, next Monday, which will be Labor Day, the 5th. 
So, or maybe even next weekend. I have a meeting on Thursday and I have a meeting on Friday. And so, um, hopefully on the weekend, I'll be ready to make my decision and hand it off. Yeah. So, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I even, I would love to take, this is the other thing that I found. Um, boy, we live in a special time. And so you can just get information on YouTube. You can take master classes. You can take virtual classes. So I look forward to taking a class on directing. I want to learn more about directing. And I want to learn about editing. I want to know how the editor edits the movie. Because I think that will help me um, in the filmmaking process. So while they're editing it, I'm going to be studying editing. And I, my dear husband was so kind to me. He's downloaded Premiere on the computer and DaVinci on the computer and Final Cut. So I can really just play around and learn about editing. So my next year will be... Um, you know, just discovering and learning as much as I possibly can about um, storytelling and filmmaking as we prepare One Night in LA to share with the world. Yeah. So Alan, it's 2.53. And um, I think we need to get close to wrapping it up. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any um, specific questions for me? Oh, yes. Um, um, do you have any thoughts about how long the, uh, the post-production part will, will take? Well, I am hopeful that... I would have a cut of it sometime in October. Uh, it won't be a final cut, but I'm hopeful to have a cut of it in October. And I would love to have a final cut of it by the end of October, 1st of November. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I wanna move relatively quickly. I don't want to rush it, but um, because we have some, we have a podcast that we have to record that's going to um, sort of be the bookends. We have lots of stock footage that we have to get that's going to be in it. Uh, so I don't want to rush that process, but I would like to move it along and it's you know you've read the script it's you know it's a dr dramatic narrative so it's not like the editor is going to be doing explosions and all that kind of fun stuff so it should be pretty easy editing job other than adding in you know our stock footage 
and our one thing that has to be added in in now in most movies are the tech the text conversations and the phone calls you know the cell phone now it's a character all by itself and yeah. so a lot of that has to be added in um but yeah we're pretty confident we're doing a, a post-production schedule and when i get that i will share it i'll probably have it by the end of the week um i will share it with you and also the uh the scoring of the film, too? The scoring, you know, I've met, um, I've met some, um, someone on Clubhouse who I'm interested in um, continuing to talk to about the score. And so, yeah, I will be reaching out to him this week. And so I'm really, really excited about having someone. I would love, my idea is to um, have someone score it, but with the end goal of some really new indie music also for a couple of the scenes. So, um, I'm really excited and hopeful that we're going to be able to move forward with our music without a huge dent to our budget. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've met a lot of artists and they're sort of like writers where they just want, you know, they want that opportunity to share their music. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm very hopeful that we're going to be able to have great music and not break the bank. So, pray for us, Alan, on that. Oh, yes, I'll send those slides your way. I'm sure it's all going to, uh, to work out. Yes, and, and it was interesting in the script, you know, I had forgotten that because in the script, I, I, I put in music that, you know, I was listening to when I was writing a particular scene. And the actors, sometimes when I forgot that, you know, I had them swaying to music, they were swaying to the music, knowing they were going to get the right music for them to sway to. So uh, yeah, that was that was great to see that we all had music in our heads. Uh, yes. Yeah, we had the music in our heads, and both of them are singers too. They both like to sing, so they really, you know, they really have the music in their heads. And I talked to them quite a bit about music in the pre-production process. Matter of fact, I sent them all the songs I listened to when I was writing it. Every time I would send them an email, I would tell them, you know, this is what I'm listening to today. 
Um, and so, because I wanted them to have this, this rhythm and beat that I was operating on when I wrote the story. And um, yeah, we seem to have that. We all, they seem to have it. They did have it. I felt it, even though I, the music wasn't going on. We didn't play music on the set, except for maybe during lunchtime. But now when I think back on it, we all had, we were all on the same rhythmic vibe. So I think my talking about music and sending out music in the pre-production process was valuable. Yes. So. So, uh, anything else? Otherwise, I will um, close out this shout podcast with Alan Greenstein of support our hashtag creatives. I love it. Once again, thank you, Mimi, for, uh, for having me. You are so welcome. And as soon as I listen to this and get it up, I don't think we need much editing. I am going to share it with you and with everybody that I can. So um, thank you. So that is it for Mimi Kelly's shout. Always remember to shine your light, to stand, to have hope, to overcome obstacles, because it's only calling for you to use your power and to take charge of your life. And that is the shout.